Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, underage sale prohibited. Introducing Zone Nicotine Pouches, the perfect balance of unparalleled comfort, longer-lasting flavor, and nicotine that satisfies. Whether you're zoning in during the race or zoning out after a tough day at work, Zone gets you there faster and keeps you there longer. Available in seven flavors and in six and nine milligram strengths. Find Zone at zonepouches.com and retailers near you. Own your Zone with Zone Nicotine Pouches. MRN Crew Call is brought to you by Hercules Tires. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of MRN Crew Call, the program that takes you behind the scenes in racing, and in particular, NASCAR racing. This week, we head to Talladega Super Speedway for race number two of round two in the playoffs. Russell Branham is the longtime director of communications there. Now, he's the director of communications for NASCAR's southeastern tracks, but Talladega, of course, is still one of those. We'll chat with Russell about his history in the sport and what we can expect at Talladega coming up this weekend. It's all ahead on MRN Crew Call. Stay right there. Citywide to countryside. Whatever you drive, wherever you go, Hercules Tires has the value, selection, and industry-leading warranty to get you there, no matter where the road takes you. Go to HerculesTire.com. There you can find the nearest authorized Hercules retail location to you. Plus, you can use the tire tracker to find out which Hercules tire fits your vehicle the best. That's HerculesTire.com. Hercules Tires. Ride on our strength. Welcome back to MRN Crew Call. I'm Woody Kane, and as I said earlier, we're headed to Talladega Super Speedway this weekend. All three national touring series are racing at the giant track, and Russell Branham joins us, the longtime communications director there that most folks recognize from that track specifically, but you also have a long history at Darlington. Now you're the Southeast Director of Communications for those, those tracks and Homestead as well. You are moving right on up the ladder, bud. Sooner or later, you're going to be running this company. Where did this title come from, and does that just mean you're working a lot more now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Um, you know, I've been working in this business. I really don't. I really don't call it work. Um, I'm sort of living a dream. You know, I, I started out as a as a big time race fan when I was three years old. Uh, back in 1968, I can remember going to races at Darlington Raceway, and I grew up about a mile outside of what is Turn One now. So. You know, you grow up in Darlington, that's that's the heart of, of so much NASCAR history. And to be able to grow up there and go to races as a youngster, um, I was hooked, you know, at a very early, early age. And and I just, I've, I've had a passion for it and I've loved it in some shape or fashion, whether it was a fan, you know, as a kid and then as a teenager. And then as I got to start my professional life, started as a sports writer um, was able to go work for my hero, David Pearson, for a year, uh, doing PR for, for him and, and Larry Pearson, uh, one of my dear friends today. Uh, his son drove in the Bush Series back then, now the Xfinity Series. Um, I, you know, I've just been able to it's, – it's almost been like a, a great roadmap, mm-hmm. and, and every stop along the way has just been incredible to me. And uh, to be able to, to work at the race track, like you said, after I worked with David for a year, I, I went back home to Darlington and was there for 10 years as PR guy and then I left for 13 and a half years and then went to work for an incredible individual and a great talent behind the wheel one Jeff Burton and uh, for the last almost eight years now here at Talladega and now spreading the wings to to do also PR work for Daytona International Speedway and, and Homestead Miami Speedway 
I mean, man, this sport has been so great to me and I've met so many great people along the way and um, just really, really been blessed. At, at the end of the day, I'm still that kid, that three, four, five-year-old kid up to a teenager who was a big fan. It's still right here in my heart. I, I love this sport. I always have. And, um, you know, I, I, it's, it's had a great history and the future is even brighter. You mentioned growing up really close to Talladega, but you told me your school was even closer than that, right? Tell me about the first race car you remember hearing, not necessarily seeing. Well, uh, uh, let me just make sure you understand that. I grew up one mile outside of Darlington Raceway, which, again, iconic venue, the first super speedway in NASCAR. While I was a mile away at my home, um, about a half mile away was my elementary school. So I can remember the days of being out on the playground and hearing them practice on Thursday morning, knowing that my uncle Ray was going to be coming to pick me up later in the afternoon, and we were going to go out to the racetrack and watch qualifying. But I would be on the playground, and I could hear there was one distinct car that you could just tell who was out there. And I later found out it was Kale Yarborough, and he drove for Junior Johnson. And back then, you know, Holly Farms was a sponsor, the number 11 Chevrolet. Mm -hmm. But when I'd go to qualify, you could hear it, and it had a real high pitch to it. And so probably about five years ago, I was in Charlotte uh, for the Hall of Fame uh, induction ceremonies, and I saw Mr. Johnson. And I went up to Junior, and I said, Junior, I said, you know, I, I remember that car well. And I said, tell me why it was a different tone of, of, of the engine. And he just sort of looked at me, put his arm around me. He said, son, I'm not telling you that. <laughs> so, <laughs> no so whatever it was, the secret was going to stay in the bag. Uh, but you could always tell when Kale was out there, there was something about that high pitch engine. But, uh, and of course, Kale won five Southern 500s too. Yeah. Nothing to sneeze at. Now, you mentioned the Hall of Fame, and earlier you talked about David Pearson. You guys had a, a, a longstanding relationship, and I know one of the, one of the great honors of, of your career and, and probably your life as well was being able to be the guy who said, come on up here and be in the Hall of Fame. Tell me about that, because uh, David didn't make it in that first class, but he made it in that second, and you got to be the guy to bring him on. Yeah, you know, I grew up a big-time Pearson fan. My, my family, they were all Ford fans. Uh, my, my uncles, my dad. My first cousin, they love Fords. They didn't care who won. They just wanted a Ford win. So I grew up seeing that candy apple red, white, gold, numeral number 21 for the Wood Brothers competing every week. And we'd go to race. My uncle used to take me to races all over the Southeast, whether it was Martinsville, it was Wilkesboro, Charlotte, Rockingham, Bristol, Darlington. Uh, every summer race, we would go down to Daytona. Um, when the 20, something, if something ever happened to the 21, I was ready to go. Uh, I just had that huge allegiance to David, and I also got to meet him as a kid. My uncle Rudy actually owned the airport there in Darlington, and I would be that little snotty-nosed kid there waiting for him to land and for him to give me a Pure Later hat or a Pure Later t-shirt, et cetera. So I was engulfed in him, and he was my hero. He's still my hero today. He will always be my hero. Um, but but to, to, to later in my career go to work for him, um, later in my career to be – more than just working for him, becoming a great friend. And he and I were, it was just sort of a bond. And, you know, when people would call him and ask him things that he, I'd get telephone calls from people. I had no clue who it was. And they said, well, David told me to call you because he didn't remember this. He said, you'll know that or this or deal with you on making an appearance for him or whatever. Um, really, really that relationship grew. And we talked a lot on the phone all the time throughout the years while he was in Spartanburg. But 
the phone call that I remember more than anything, you know, from him was in uh, 2010, whenever the 2011 class uh, was announced for NASCAR's Hall of Fame. You know, he was a little bothered he didn't make the first class, the first five. Um, I remember talking to him that time after he didn't get in, and he was a little distraught about it. It was sort of weird. I was sort of trying to comfort him. It was it's like full circle, you know, that here's my hero, and here's the society-nosed kid trying to say, hey, it's going to be all right. Next year, you're going to be the guy. And so anyway, the following year, they announced everything uh, there at the Hall of Fame. I sat right beside him during the announcement, mm-hmm. and he did all the, the interviews, the TV interviews, everything. And then he's driving back afterwards to Spartanburg, and my phone rings. And I say, hello. And the first thing he says, he said, are you going to talk about me? And I said, well, David, I always talk about it. It's all I ever do is try to promote you and your history. I want your legacy you know, to always live. No, no, are you going to talk about me? And I said, what are you talking about? He said, next year. And I said, what? He said, at the Hall of Fame, I want you to talk about me. And I sat there for a second, and I was like, are you asking me to induct you into the Hall of Fame next year? And he said, well, yeah. He said, no one knows me any better. He said, and you care about me, and I want you to do it. And it was really, really breathtaking for me. I mean, I paused, and I started crying. I mean, just because it was a, it was a heartfelt moment uh, to come full circle, basically, to have your hero ask you to induct them into the elite hall of fame within our sport. And it was just uh, an amazing thing. And so anyway, I actually, I got to talk to him a little bit and I talked to Larry and, you know, one of the things that we said, you know, what about, you know, Leonard Wood, you know, Leonard needs to be, he's probably the guy that needs to do this, David, because y'all experienced so many victories, 43 victories in seven years that he drove for. And he was almost like a part of the Woods family. And uh, so what we did uh, for his induction ceremony, I got up and spoke for about five minutes and I sort of told the story of this little kid who idolized this man. And I talked about who that guy was at different parts of that kid's life. And of course, at the end, I said, you know, that, that kid was me. And it was the, it was the most incredible honor I've ever had, uh, in my career, uh, and personal life to be able to, to experience that. Uh, and then I turned it over to Mr. Wood because he's a guy that really should induct him because they experienced so much success over the years and they were great, great friends. He said, Leonard's not going to want to do it. I said, oh, but he will. And, mm. and he did. And uh, so we sort of uh, co-inducted him that year. And uh, it's something I'll never forget. Yeah. He's over here. This uh, is one of my proud pictures right here. Uh, that? I, oh, I recognize Pearson, but who's that young guy? I, man, hey, that, that's when uh, the hair wasn't as great, you know, back then, you know. But uh, but oh, anyway, yeah. he, you know, he called me his son. He also called me his boy, as you can see by what he wrote there. Uh, yeah, uh, to my boy. That's really cool. A lot of my office is a sanctuary to him. You can see myself here. Mm-hmm. It's all dedicated to to him. And, um, there's one picture at the very top. There's my son. My son is named Pearson. So he's, uh, uh, that, that okay. name sort of, hey, it's a great first name, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, but so you grow up near Darlington, you get the relationship with David Pierce and get to induct him into the hall of fame later. You wound up being also a sports writer and the PR guy at Darlington. You must've thought, man, did I, did I wake up living my dream and already check off all the items on my bucket list? So, so I'm going to Francis Marion college in Florence, South Carolina, uh, which is about 15 miles away from Darlington. Easy to get in, tough to get out. 
Um, they did not offer a major in in communications. They offered a minor in communications. So I, I went that route. I'm a political science major. Uh, go figure. Uh, but you know, I, I I was able to go to an English class one day. The professor comes in and says two sports writers quit yesterday. They need help answering the phones. So I started. I, I went. I immediately left uh, class that day and talked to the sports editor. Got a part-time gig. Started covering. Uh, a variety of sports, but I asked could I be the NASCAR rider, and no, there was no one there that wanted to be that, so I became the NASCAR rider, started going to races at Charlotte, Wilkesboro, uh, Martinsville, Burlington, met a lot of great people from back in that era. We're talking about 1986. Tom Higgins was a, was was the dean of motorsports journalist. Steve the, Wade. The, the great was, uh, writer for the Charlotte Observer back absolutely. in the day. Yeah. Uh, Steve Wade, would, uh, back then, was called Winston Cup Scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some reason, those guys gravitated to me, and I have the utmost respect for, for both of those individuals. I saw Steve at the NMPA uh, earlier this year. Um, they vouched for me when a job opening came up with none other than David Pearson's racing team. Uh, I'd been a sports rider for about two and a half years, had met some people on the way. Chattanooga Chew was a sponsor. They were looking for a young, eager PR guy that they could train. And I had both Tom Higgins um, and Steve Way go to bat for me, and I got the job. So I got to travel with my hero for a year. Uh, that's when you sort of learn all the things that are negative about, you know, folks. You know, <laughs> and, and the so travel, too. Out. You, you think right. that travel's great until you do it every week. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but anyway, um, thrill of my life to go and work with them. Larry, like I say, Larry Pearson, one of my very dear friends. Ricky and Eddie, great friends as well. Um, but did that for a year. And then all of a sudden, I get a phone call from Bill Kaiser, who was the PR guy, the longtime PR guy at Darlington, mm-hmm. who I'd got to know as a sports writer, because he would get me to write stories in the local paper. And I had been seeing him since I worked at a supermarket back in high school, and I'd always ask him, how can I get involved in the sport? Go get your degree, come talk to me later. So fast forward, after I got to know him, I actually helped him write press releases. He paid me 50 bucks a press release uh, back when I was a sports writer. They had a shift in management at Darlington. He was being moved up to general manager and needed a PR guy. And so he hired me. I had moved to Charlotte to work for David, did that for a year, came back to Darlington and was there for 10 years. And it was wow. one, of the, one of the biggest thrills of my life to be able to work at that iconic track. I was 18 days shy of my 24th birthday mm-hmm. when I went to work there. And I mean, I had to pinch myself. Think, think about this. You go from a sports writer and you're trying to get an interview with Daryl Waltrip or whoever the case may be. Um, whenever I was, you know, just a tiny cub reporter and I'm trying to talk to Daryl Waltrip. I can remember going up to Dale Earnhardt and he said, this is no joke. Shouldn't you be in uh, junior high school somewhere? That's exactly what he said to me uh, because I looked, I looked very, very young, you know, back then. Um, but the thrill of my life to grow up loving the sport and then to go and work with my hero, David Pearson. But now I'm going to be working with a lot of the guys I didn't like back in the 70s and early 80s. I didn't, you know, I didn't like DW. I didn't like Kale. I didn't like Bobby Isles and none of those guys. And now you're working with them. And so the dynamic completely changed. And wow, what what an incredible opportunity for me. And I was just licking my chops every day um, and being so thankful and grateful uh, that, that I got to be around these guys who were, again, they're heroes, um, but they're people too. And 
wonderful, wonderful people and the relationships that, that I was able to start and maintain, you know, working alongside Rusty Wallace, you know, who's now with MRN, uh, great, great friends, Sterling Marlin, Dale Jarrett, Bill Elliott, Jeff Gordon. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Ricky Rudd, um, Jeff Bodine, guys that, 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 that I've just a thrill to work with. And every time I see those guys today, I still get a little, you know, goosebumps on my arm because again, unbelievable people who help really make the, the create or extend the foundation of what our sport is today. You know, I, I can relate to that because when I was a young print reporter, the first time I interviewed Dale Earnhardt, you know, okay, you got X amount of minutes and I, you know, made all my questions up and got ready thinking I'm not going to blow this time and have him because he was the intimidator and I didn't want him to on me, you know, the young guy and I'd never get that opportunity mm -hmm. again. So I hurried through my questions, got done and he gave me great answers and was very nice and cordial. And you didn't always get that with him. But when we got done, I said, okay, well, thank you for your time. And he said, that's it. That's all. I said, yeah, and that was it. And ever since then, we were perfectly fine. You know, once you break the ice with him and break the ice with many of these guys, then it's okay. It's a good deal. And, and I think that's one of the things that has stood out to me about your career is that it hasn't been as much about the work, if you can call it that, as the relationships. And it's helped you uh, in, in, as you talked about, the progression from one job to the next. And it, it also is about family. And that helped you make your transition to Talladega, right? That's right. And, you know, one of the things that you know, our job is to create events and entertainment for our fans. And our job is to to make sure that fans understand exactly what it is that we're trying to sell. You know, uh, whether it's at Darlington with a great history, great tradition, uh, incredible throwback racing on an old racetrack that's worn out on a track that was basically eyeball construction by Harold Brasington that started it all back in 1950, a big time racing in NASCAR on asphalt, um, to hear the greatest racing on the planet, the most competitive form of racing. So no matter what job I've been in, I've tried to make whatever it is that I have to offer. And same thing with Jeff Burton, offering him up to the fans, offering him up to sponsors, tracks, et cetera. You know, the relationships are extremely, extremely critical because We've got to do everything we can to, to put on a great show and to get fans to come here and watch our event. So over the years, you know, I've, I've asked drivers to do all kinds of hokey things to try to create some publicity. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you had somebody Darryl jump out of a cake one time, right? I had Daryl Waltrip. It was his 25th anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it was, this. <laughs> it, it was his 25th anniversary, and he didn't know you know what he was doing until he got there. I'd ask him to come down to Darlington from Franklin, Tennessee. He flies in, go pick him up, and he sits in my old boss Jim Hunter's office. And, and uh, Hunter looks at Daryl and says, so, uh, D.W., has he told you what he's got you doing today? Daryl said, no. Well, you better ask him because he's got you jumping out of a 25th anniversary cake. <laughs> but you know what? He did it. Yeah. You know, that, was, that was the key thing. And, I, you know, I, I have enjoyed the relationships of, of our sport because there's so many great people. You know, you and I have talked about it before, Woody. It's, it's um, having those lifelong relationships. And, you know, sometimes it's hard for drivers to build that trust with different people because they're getting pulled in a lot of different directions to, to do different things in our sport. And sometimes it takes time to do that. It took me three years to get to know Dale Earnhardt Sr., Mm -hmm. And after that, he'd do anything in the world for me. He he he, you know, jerk my chain, but he'd all he would always do it. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, I've asked 
Dale Jarrett, to, you know, to, to wear a, a superhero costume, and he did it. Um, wear all kinds of zany hats. You know, had Ricky Rudd lay on the asphalt at Darlington, had Earnhardt out on the asphalt one time with a whip. Who's going to whip who? The Intimidator or the racetrack? Um, but, I, I, you know, I, I go back and I think about all those things, and it's, it, it's really – they did all that stuff because they knew that, that we as a track – um, we're not trying to take advantage of them. We're just trying to sell race tickets. We're just trying to showcase the fun of what NASCAR is all about and, you know, come see us. So we had to be creative, you know, back in those days at Darlington, you know, there, there was no social media. There were no cell phones. Um, I was, you know, I was notorious for taking a lot of black and white photos. You'd have to take the pictures. You'd have to go get them printed. You'd have to get an envelope you'd have to write a cut line, stick the envelope, stick it in the envelope, the picture and the cut line, put a label on the front, lift the, uh, the envelope shut, put a stamp on it and go to the post office. And that's how you got things out. And, and uh, then wait a couple of days before somebody got it. That's exactly right. And, um, and it was, you know, again, and, and you'd ask drivers to do a lot of different things. Um, but they would always do it because I think they felt like they, they could trust me um, that I wouldn't try to take advantage of. I'm just trying to sell race tickets. And at the end of the day, I've always done everything that I could. And, and the teams that I've been with, we all do this. Everybody in NASCAR does this. We're all trying to showcase what our sport's all about. And it's a great, great sport. I've loved it ever since I was a little boy. It's still inside of me. And I hope that the sport continues to flourish for years and years to come where my, grand, my grandkids will be going to races my great grandkids will be going to races because it's such a great, great sport. But a lot of it, like you said, is it's about relationships. It's, you know, with me, I've been blessed to meet, you know, people like yourself, the all the MRN crew, um, and whether it's the, the television broadcasters, the, the, the media that's down here at the local paper, the local radio station, not just the national folks, but it's everybody. It's, it's sponsors, it's, it's NASCAR officials. I mean, the, the, the laundry list of, of who, who you've been able to meet, you know, this is a family. And, and this has been my family for a long period of time, my extended family. And, and I'm very, very gracious for that. And, um, you know, I, I moved down here eight years ago uh, to be with my son. My son and uh, you know, things happen in your personal life that you can't control. So you got to make different changes in your life. And um, I've been able to come down here to, to Talladega. Great, great venue. We're now part of, you know, NASCAR as a whole. And um, what a great racetrack to, to promote. Talking about drivers, you know, we do some different things here. We do a little bit of hokey pokey things. We've got a, an event on Friday night called the Big One on the Boulevard. It, it, during, oh, yeah. normal, during normal circumstances, we have that. And we've had 20-plus drivers to get on a float and ride from one end to the other of Talladega Boulevard and then come over and oversee fan competitions, uh, which are some, some, some u unique type fan competitions, but you hand them all microphones and we've got, you know, Clint Boyer and, and Ricky Stenhouse and Ryan Blaney and Bubba Wallace and Austin Dillon and the Jeff Gordon, mm -hmm. every spring, Jeff Gordon's up there. And so we've been able to create something that's very, very cool for them and, and, and for them to participate and be a part of what the fabric is of this racetrack. And that's making fans be happy. It's, it's a great, great place to be. 
You mentioned a while ago, crazy hats, and I wore this one just for you because it reminds me of Grant Lynch, the former track president. And as we get ready to come back for racing this weekend, you've already hosted uh, some fans in a limited basis. I think the second track to host fans this year in the, I guess the, I won't say post-pandemic era because it's not over yet, but as we begin to reopen and get back. So what's going to be different this weekend versus that weekend? It was a very limited number of fans, and uh, now you're going to, I think, have more than the last time, but all three series are racing. Tell me what's going on this weekend. Well, well, it's a pretty unique thing, and, and, and yeah, we were, you know, Homestead first had 1,000 uh, military folks to come to their event. Uh, then we hosted around 5,000 uh, back in June. Of course, uh, Daytona during the Coca-Cola uh, Zero Sugar 400, had fans and then of course at Darlington uh, recently had fans as well. So um, we're going to have uh, again, limited fans here. The great thing is this, no matter what event you come to here at Talladega, you're going to see one heck of a show mm-hmm. um, for the first time ever the NASCAR Xfinity series and the ag pro 300 is going to be here on Saturday as a part of a double header, along with our uh, NASCAR Gander RV and outdoors truck series event. Um, so we'll have a double header on that Saturday. Um, now you can truck. get tickets for those too, right? It's not just no, the Cup Series. Uh, we're not going to have fans for that. For, for okay, the just for the Cup. It is just yeah, the Cup Series. Okay, all right. That's exactly right. But the great thing is the truck race will be a cutoff race where we'll have the the field of contenders for the title reduced from ten to eight, mm-hmm. and then the Ag Pro three hundred for the Xfinity Series. That's the middle of the sandwich uh, of round number two uh, for the mm-hmm. Xfinity Series, and then on Sunday, same thing. Second second round, uh, excuse me, second race of the, the third round, which is the round of 12 uh, for the Yellowwood 500. Uh, Ryan Blaney, that dude is very, very good here. He's won the last two races, and he's got a chance to do something that only two drivers have done, and that's win three in a row. Buddy Baker did it, 1975, swept both races, and in 1976, he won the spring race. And then, of course, in 2001-3, Dale Jr. won four straight. So, uh, Blaney's got, he, you know, and, and the, the cool thing about Blaney is that the last two races that he's won, he's literally won it by this much both times, 0. 0.007 yeah. second. Uh, next where, to nothing, yeah. Next to nothing, where he made a last-ditch pass around Newman last fall, and then in the spring he had to hold off Eric Jones and Ricky Stenhouse and Eric Amarola again to win by that much. So what can the fans expect, the ones who are going to be there Sunday? First of all, are there any tickets still available? And what can the fans expect? I imagine that you've got uh, a slew of safety protocols in place. Absolutely. We, we still have some infill camping spots available. So uh, you can go on our website and take a look at that, or you can call one eight seven seven go to dega D-E-G-A, or, or the way the folks call it here, DIGA. Uh, <laughs> but again, one eight seven seven go to dega Okay. Um, so we got some, uh, we've got some infill uh, camping still uh, available. You know, just like anything, we've all had to make a lot of different changes. And so with, with here, you know, NASCAR, we give NASCAR all the credit in the world. They led the way to yes, getting sports back going. But I'll tell you this, there's a lot of preparation and a lot of people that are part of the sanctioning body, that are part of the racetracks, that are part of the safety worker. I mean, it's a, a huge, huge amount of people that are making it possible where we can have races here. So as you talked about safety protocols, social distancing, all those things are going to be implemented. We're making sure that all the fans come here. We're educating them on exactly all those protocols. They're all listed on the Talladega superspeedway.com website mm-hmm. where you can see that. Um, but it's all done to make sure that we can continue racing. You know, we've, 
we've been able to start at Darlington back in May, and now we're 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 on the we're coming out of turn four, and we can see the checkered flag in sight, and we're going to do everything that we can to make sure that, that there, there's there's not going to be bumps in the road. We'll be ready for our race fans, um, and 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 the great thing is when they come here, they're still going to have a great time because they're going to see the greatest racing on the planet. There's nowhere, nowhere, and again, I, I love Darlington. But the, from a competitive standpoint, where else can you see three and four wide at 200 miles per hour, inches apart? You, you just don't see it anywhere. This yeah. is the greatest venue from competition standpoint. If you have fingernails when you come here, you won't when you leave. You know, uh, if you, yeah, you buy a ticket and sit in a seat, again, all social distancing around our folks in the grandstand you're not going to use a seat a lot because you're going to be standing up because there's so much excitement. I'll tell you what I did a couple of years ago. Um, I'm in the media center and I told a guy, I said, listen, I said, hold the fort down for a bit. I got on the golf cart. I drove around to the front side and I went up in the grandstand and for about 10 laps, I just watched. And it, and it really, I was that kid again in the grandstands here Martinsville, Darlington, all those racetracks, and and you could feel it again. But to see the com the competition and the way that they were driving, it was just an amazing thing. And I just wanted to go do it because I'm watching it on the screen in the media center. I said, "Man, I got to go watch it in person." And I did, and boy, was it fantastic! That's that's what you get here at Talladega. It, it it's heart pounding. There's absolutely nothing like it for sure. Well, Russell, we appreciate you taking the time to visit with us and share some memories. I'm sure a lot of folks will remember a lot of those things you talked about and the ones that don't, you have a Google machine, look some of that stuff up and find out what he's talking about because there's a lot of history there and Russell has seen a bunch of it. We can't wait to get back to Talladega and see the racing there. We appreciate your time, Russell. It's really cool. Hey, we look forward come, to it. Come see Jimmy Johnson run his, his last race here and celebrate the 20th anniversary of our great friend and, and, and great driver, Dale Earnhardt Sr. His last win came in here in the fall of, of 2000. So uh, wow. very, very, a lot of things going on this weekend. Hope everyone tunes in on television if you don't have your tickets. But if you can, we still have some infield camping available. There you go. That's Russell Branham, the Southeast Director of Communications. And that includes Talladega this weekend, also Darlington and Homestead Miami Speedway. Russell, thanks for your time. Thank you. We'll be right back. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, I did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. That's all the time we've got on this edition of MRN Crew Call. Don't forget Talladega Super Speedway coming up this weekend. You won't want to miss a second of the action there. And while you're enjoying the races, play along with us on social media, on Instagram or Twitter at MRN Radio. Just use the hashtag NASCAR Tailgate, and we may show your picture of your tailgate party, your grilling out, your man cave, what have you. Just play along with us, and we'll see where it pops up in one of our digital programs along the way. Until next time on Crew Call, I'm Woody. Games. MRN Crew Call was brought to you by Hercules Tires.